Welcome to JFK Facts Podcast, which features news, analysis, and discussion of issues relevant to the study of President Kennedy's assassination. My name is Alan Dale. It's my pleasure to introduce the founder and editor of JFK Facts, Jefferson Morley. Hi, Alan. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Happy to be had. Happy to have you. Um, we've, we're following up, really, continuing uh subject that was the subject of our first program relevant to the number of materials uh, that we're we're anticipating the things that we've already discussed uh, the different categories of materials records that are still being withheld at the National Archives Um, but what we did not yet touch upon are, are things that we have learned as the result of six separate releases uh, that were spread out between uh, 24 July 2017 and 26 of April 2018. Could we touch upon some of those things? Yeah, so so these are are the JFK records. Uh, These are the JFK records that came into into public view for the first time uh, at the beginning of the Trump administration. And this was... Um, on the occasion of the 25th anniversary of the JFK Records Act. Uh The JFK Records Act, passed by Congress in 1992, mandated that the government release all of its assassination-related records. 25 years later. Right. And uh, so um, a lot of material came out into the public record in the 1990s uh, and early 2000s, which historians and journalists and researchers are still absorbing. We've learned a lot about the JFK assassination in recent years, probably more than a lot of people know, um, because um, the JFK story is is such an unusual um, phenomenon, the the proliferation of conspiracy theories, um, a lot of which are, you know, kind of crazy and baseless, and others are quite plausible. Um, but there's a lot of noise around the Kennedy assassination. It's hard to separate out the signal from the noise a lot of times, but that's what the JFK records act was about, which was, well, whatever else we do, we're going to make all the government's records secret. I mean, public, all, everything that's gotcha. been secret, we're going to make public. Yes. And this was thanks to my friend, Oliver Stone. Yes. Who put out his, his, his great movie, JFK in 1992. And whatever you think about him or, you know, it's a great movie. I mean, it's a-list Hollywood talent, you know, frame by frame. You have so many great actors, very interesting script, very compelling piece of, you know, c- cinema that, you know, go for a two and a half hour movie goes very fast. Agreed. Uh, um, but because he said, you know, the government and the press got it all wrong, this was incredibly controversial at the time. And people argued about it. And there was magazine cover stories. I mean, huge controversy in Washington. And people criticized Stone for, you know, making things up. And, you know, and he did taking, you know, liberties with the historical record. You know, people said that. Well, I mean, it was true. It's it's a Hollywood movie. It wasn't a documentary. It was not a documentary. Is but right. it was based it was based on a lot of true things. And yes. Stone, the best response he had to his critics was, well, if the government isn't hiding anything, you know, why is it hiding so much? Yeah. Pointed out great, yeah. the really shameful fact 
a shameful fact. And it was it was Stone who said who insisted that it was shameful. And that that was why what was important about what he did. It was shameful that 30 years after the assassination of President Kennedy, most of the government's records on the subject were top secret and not available to the people who voted for Kennedy, for example, you know, that the story was really hidden 30 years later. Well, that the the combination of that argument and the fact that the movie was a worldwide hit, you know, highly embarrassed the U.S. government and the defenders of the official theory that one man alone and unaided killed the president for no reason. And another guy came along and killed that guy for no reason. You know, and Stone said, that story's ridiculous, and here's a better version of it. A counter-myth, he called it. So in the controversy, Congress passes this law, and Congress actually did the right thing. They said, we're going to make all these records public. And they created the JFK Review Board to an independent board, not composed of CIA or FBI officials, independent people, to come in, look at the records, and decide what should be made public. And that's the ARRB, Assassination Records Review Board. Right. So the law had a sunset provision. After 25 years, everything has to be made public, whether reasons of secrecy or national security. You know, just after 25 years, it's all got to come out. Well, that was supposed to happen in October 2017, and it didn't. Uh, President Trump authorized and the agencies released a lot of material and a lot of stuff remained secret. So that stuff that remains secret, that's the question that's facing President Biden later this year. But a separate question is, well, so what was in there? What did we learn? What did we learn from this last round? Yeah. And people say, well, there's no, you know, there's no smoking gun proof of conspiracy in there. You know, uh, yeah. That's true. Um, but that's not the only measure of historical relevance. And there were several, to me, eye-opening disclosures in the 2017-2018 releases, um, which tell us, gave us important pieces of uh, the assassination story. Um, one of them was a, a, a CIA document that listed people who, the, the CIA had a, um, an illegal program for spying on Americans in the late 1950s called HT Lingual. And in HT Lingual, the CIA was opening uh, international mail. They would, they would look at every piece of mail that came in from overseas and they would decide if they wanted to open it. And they had a list of people who they wanted to open their mail and read the mail. And they would open the letters, copy the contents, put the mail, put the letter back in, reseal the letter and send it on its way. And then they would have a file of this. So there was no probable cause. There was no grounds for suspicion. It was just senior CIA and FBI officials, James Angleton, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, just pick names and they put them on there. Well, what surfaced in 2017 was a document of people uh, who had been on that list from 1958 to 1972. Um, and the date that they were put on that list. And on that list, in November 1959, was the name Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. So when Oswald, the young Marine who allegedly killed the president, um, defected to the Soviet Union, moved to the Soviet Union out of sympathy for communism in November 1959, within weeks of that, the CIA decided to start opening his mail. Right. 
and copying it and filing the results. So the story that was given by the CIA to the Warren Commission and repeated credulously by the Warren Commission was that we didn't really know anything about this guy and we didn't know anything. And this document that emerged in 2017 showed that that was false, that they had been highly interested in him from the start, right? Because if you're opening, if you're illegally opening somebody's mail, right, you are interested in them. And there were only 300 people in the United States who were on that list. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the man who would supposedly kill the president four years later was already being surveilled in his personal correspondence four years before that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that, that was one significant revelation that we got in 2017. And then in larger context, there's not one document, but what we got in 2017 was the, the declassified versions of CIA documents that mentioned Oswald before the assassination. I said on our show last week, you know, the, the CIA lied about this initially, and they told the Warren Commission they only had a handful of documents on Oswald. And eventually they were forced to concede that, no, they had 42. And so what we got in 2017 was we got more declassified those version of the pre-assassination Oswald file is virtually completely declassified now. And we learned more about this question of, so who was interested in Lee Harvey Oswald before he killed the president? Mm -hmm. And what we see quite clearly, it's, it's really unmistakable is, you know, the story that the, the CIA gave the Warren commission that we didn't really know much about this guy. That was one phrase. We had minimal information. That was another phrase. Um, we were not informed of his activities step by step. That was an, uh, another phrase. All of those statements were false. They had much more than minimal information. They were informed about Lee Harvey Oswald step by step before President Kennedy was killed. Yeah. And, 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 and their, their, their information was not superficial. And so with this, with this fully declassified record, you can now see that. You can now see that very clearly. The story, oh, we weren't interested in this guy because he was crazy. There's nothing. There is nothing in the declassified file that came out in 2017 that supports that notion. To the contrary, everything about those documents indicates that they were being, Oswald was being the object of high level attention within the CIA. And people say, oh, well, you know, what's your conspiracy theory? That's not a conspiracy theory. We know the names of the officials who did that. They worked for James Angleton. I wrote a biography of Angleton. And so The Ghost, yes, yeah. published by St. Martin's. And for people who are interested in the backstory of the CIA and the Kennedy assassination, The Ghost is one good place to start. It's not a book about the assassination. It doesn't take a position on what happened in the assassination, but it shows very clearly just how much Angleton and his staff knew about the supposed assassin before that. So that's the kind of stuff that we learned. Was it smoking gun proof of a conspiracy? No, but it was smoking gun proof that the CIA's story about Oswald is a cover story. It's smoking gun proof of that um, at a minimum. So that's the kind of thing that we are still learning from the declassification of the JFK file these many decades later. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why... I'm paying attention and other people are paying close attention to what's going to come out, you know, what's going to come out later this year is will President Biden do the right thing 
and release all of these documents without exception before the legal deadline. Which is October 26th of this year. That's correct. Right. Um, would you, is it all right if we touch upon one or two other things that have emerged during this period where we're still, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying the things that have caught my eye. And when I talk to other researchers, you know, people have other items as well. So this is not like, you know, I'm, I'm pointing out useful examples. It's by no a comprehensive no. take on it. No, what, we're not. jumped out at you? Well, uh, you know, I mean, I have never had many original thoughts in relation to these <laughs> separate areas of... Well, right. But let me just say, let me just say to our <laughs> listeners, Alan is a JFK researcher who works for John Newman. So he's doing JFK research all the time. So he's not quite as uninformed. Uh, there's a lot about you're down there in the weeds aren't you Alan you're down uh, there yeah and I so don't tell recommend us what, it. what have you seen down in the weeds <laughs> I don't recommend it to, to <laughs> others I mean you know I'm it's an honor and everything and I'm grateful and it's interesting because you know the thing that I think um that I would try to convey to people who have a casual interest in in general big picture wise in the subject of President Kennedy's assassination is that if you get really drawn very deeply into serious studies, then you will find yourself immersed in not one, but innumerable different oceans. Oceans unto themselves. The interior of the agency, the interior of the Pentagon, starting with the staff level at the very top during the Cold War. This is all Cold War context. Everything that is the focus of the attention of the people that I serve is all Cold War. I don't know what's going on now. I, uh, Among many other things, I do not know what's going on these days. <laughs> but, uh, but with regard to the, the relevant areas... Of study, you could devote yourself as our dear colleague and in some ways our great mentor, um, Malcolm Blunt, has done. He he's focused many years of his life just on the internal systems and management authorities of the intelligence agencies, plural, uh, differentiating between the JFK or Oswald, more specifically related aspects of the uh, first chief directorate in the KGB versus the second chief directorate, the distinction between international focus of Soviet intelligence authorities, which includes spies and covert operations and stuff like that, versus their internal security measures, which touch upon the Oswald figure during his period uh, from 1959 forward, in the Soviet Union. So you could devote yourself to studying fuzzy photographs of, uh, you know, of yeah, Dean you know, Plaza, or you can do the, the medical stuff. There's, there's no shortage of deep places to go. Right. I mean, but, you know, I think in, I'm trying to, well, you know, so then it becomes this open-ended thing. And yeah. So what I'm saying about the the JFK records is, you know, at at, at a minimum, we need to have the whole, everything that was in the government's possession. And let me say something about I hear two arguments on this question a lot from people. And the two arguments go like this. One is there's nothing in there because we know the government's version is right mm-hmm. and they have nothing to hide. And so really what all they're hiding is trivial information. That's one argument I hear. 
Um, you know, that one man alone unaided killed the president for no reason. And there's nothing to be else to be said. And so there's nothing else in these documents. And the stuff that is being withheld is held justifiably because of sources and methods and other things relevant to maintaining the well, security. Well, you, know, you know what? I don't even hear people say that these withhold, even in the intelligence community. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of people say this withholding is BS. It's wild over classification. Ralph Mowat Larson, former CIA officer, teaches at Harvard, told me exactly that. He said, you know, this this is ridiculous that they're that they're that they're keeping all of this stuff. And not only he says not only is it ridiculous, it's suspicious. But then there's the other argument that we get, which is. Well, you know, they t- they eliminated all the, you know, all the important documents a long time ago. And so there's nothing in there. It's, it's kind of the opposite argument. We know there's a conspiracy. And of course, they've hidden everything. So even when they release all of this, we're not going to learn anything. So I hear those two arguments a lot. And I, I think about them. I take them seriously. People who said them to me were serious people. Mm. But you know what? If either one of those arguments was actually true and effective, you know, operational, we would have these documents, right? If yeah. the government had nothing to hide, it wouldn't be hiding anything, right? So that argument can't be correct, that they have nothing to hide. No, they do have something to hide, and we know they, they're saying they have something to hide. And on the other hand, people who say, oh, well, all the key documents were eliminated a long time ago. You know, those are people who are not familiar with the wealth of information that has come out since Oliver Stone's movie, which is incredibly damaging to the official story, debilitating to the official story, makes the official story much less credible, refutes it in places. Um, And so that argument's not true either. You know, we know important information has been withheld in the past. There's no reason not to think that there might still might might not still be important information in what's being withheld this year. So that's why I say it does matter. And there is potentially significant material of some of the things that we've just described. Yeah. Well, I I think that's an ultimate reasonable position. I'm astounded that others would argue against what you just uh, suggested. There's a lot of people who don't want to engage the issue because it's very painful and it's, you know, it doesn't reflect well on the country. I mean, and I, I say that I try and say that in a neutral way. I mean, if the president was killed by his enemies you know, which is the alternative to the to the official story. You know, our system failed. You know, our government didn't catch it. Our intelligence agencies didn't catch it. Maybe they participated in our it. news media. Didn't our news catch media it. didn't yeah. uncover it. Our judiciary didn't uncover it. Right. And so, to say the president was President Kennedy was killed by his enemy, it's a profound statement. And so, people shy away from coming to that conclusion. It's painful. You know, it's it's destabilizing. It's like, I and agree. what country we live in, and so. Yeah, people don't want to engage it. But, you know, I mean, my attitude is it's really a long time ago. We live in a totally different world. You know, we can we can look at this thing with detachment and look at all look at all that what we've learned about the secret activities of our government and and abuses of power. No one should be surprised. No one would be surprised, you know, if more of the story about you know, how the president came to be killed in broad daylight and no one was ever brought to justice for the crime that, you know, that's not going to surprise many people when if and when we learn more about what really happened. No, I agree. And I think um, serious scholars and serious students who are not yet born will look upon this period as simply, uh, you know, the period where 
enough new data was being collected and uh, assessed so that an ultimate historical um, resolution to the crime is is conceivable. Well, I think that I think that um, I mean I'm an optimist I on know, some things by nature. I you know I I do think that we can have real clarification, and I, I you know I, I I do think finishing the historical record is is going to be an important part of that. So to get the last of these records out there, I think you know we will see the picture more clearly. That's what matters. But you know people continue to generate work. And so we should do another show, devote an entire another show to not what you or I think, but what are other people saying, you know? Well, with regard to that very issue, and with apologies to you and others for being as vague as I frequently am, I do want to refer to at least three, uh, three records that, uh, that were brand new to me, one of which was brought to my attention by our dear brother Bill Simpich, and is not irrelevant to an important book, valuable book, informative uh, in, in so many ways uh, for which you are responsible. And it's called Our Man in Mexico, Winscott, in the Hidden History of the CIA, published in 2009, something like that? Yes. Um... So one of the things released, uh, I think in 2017 or 2018, obviously, during those six batches, uh, Winston Scott stuff, he's a station chief, Mexico City, most important station, uh, you know, uh, foreign station in the Western Hemisphere, and uh, revelations about the extent to which he personally is involved in, among other things, falsifying documents at the transcript level, in an operation aimed at the government, the then sitting president of Mexico, to persuade the Mexican government that it's a bad idea to allow Cuba to have a place among the embassies to be represented in Mexico City. And that's kind of a, a profound realization that uh, Winston Scott himself, who I've always looked upon as probably out of the loop, uh, in ways that perhaps his one of his closest executive assistants uh, and Goodpaster may not have been out of the loop. And in Goodpaster was Staff D, which is communication intercepts, which is relevant to everything we study about Oswald or an Oswald figure in Mexico City, late September, early October of '63, and how the agency dealt with that, which leads to 31 years later your extraordinary interaction in the company of uh, Dr. Newman and Lady Jane Roman which is one of the most important moments ever uh -huh. ever yeah so so um you know th this is another thing to say about what we have learned right what you're talking about the story of how when scott falsified a a, 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 rec a recording mm. the transcript of a, a cia obtained recording mm. for the purposes of advancing you know some vision of U.S. policy, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the type of tactics that they would use, um, you know, and so it doesn't have anything directly to do with the assassination, right. but it tells you about the context of exactly. the time, that right. even, even falsifying the agency's own records was part of the repertoire yes. of these espionage officers, uh, you know, uh, involved in the, in the Kennedy assassination. Which, you know, brings us to, you know, so 
was the record of President Kennedy's assassination falsified? And I think that, you know, clearly when you look at the cover story that, with the, that, the, that the Warren Commission was given about, you know, we didn't know anything about Oswald, which was not true, you know, we see that the record was falsified. And well, so, so, so the, so the, the Wynn Scott, you know, the, the, the revelation that came out in 2017 tends to confirm that, you know, yes, this did happen. This is the kind of thing that happened. It makes us more confident in our, in our judgments about the assassination, even if it doesn't literally have something to do with the assassination. Agreed. And it is also slightly chilling to me uh, because of the depth of complexity involving the Oswald figure in Mexico City, Oswald in Mexico City, and the fact that Rex has discovered that among the missing materials today at the National Archives are two sets of audio interviews, cassette recordings of interviews with Boris and Anna Tarasov, who were the people responsible for transcribing from an audio tape, a surveillance tape. They are the sources of the materials that we have read uh, depicting interaction between someone claiming to be Lee Oswald, as it's represented to us, and officials at, at, a, at both the Cuban consulate and the Soviet embassy seven weeks prior to the assassination. Those materials that we would be interested in listening to seem to be missing. Yes, and, 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 you know, and this is a very good point, right? Th these are eyewitnesses, yeah. right? Engaged. Um, they're involved. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, now it is possible, since we don't have, all we have is a record that these documents are withheld. We, the Tarasovs, who overheard the recordings of somebody saying that they were Oswald, mm -hmm. and then transcribed them, uh, uh, so, you know, what did what did they make of all of that? That would be a very interesting conversation. The Tarasovs were interviewed and we have some of those interviews. Yes, the question right. is, is this material that we've never heard of? Exactly. And it it it's possible that we have heard these before and that these are duplicate records. This collection is filled with duplicate records. Mm -hmm. But there is reason to believe based on what we know about these records that they seem to be different than the records that we already have. Mm -hmm. uh, a different length, different uh, 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 different subject matter, different identifying numbers. And so I'm not saying, you know, like there's something super important there. It, it, it might be a duplication. Anybody who's done studied these records for a while knows to be cautious about making the judgment. Yep. But the point is, it could be very important. These were centrally located people. These are, you know, these were interviews done by congressional investigators. They yes. are a public record. They should be made public. Mm -hmm. um, and yet they say, well, we, you know, we can't find them. So that's something, you know, that's something that we're trying to get to the bottom of, to, you know, to force exactly. them to to go look for these and to account for them. What, yeah. If they're missing, why are they missing? Sounds like a noble effort. Uh, there are other things that we will discuss in subsequent programs. There are other references. Yeah, so to let's, things. Let's, uh, let, let's talk about what other people have been saying about the JFK story yes. in the past year, or, or, and also what we know from our own information, what's in the, what's in the pipeline. Exactly. Um, because we know JFK is going to be a record. There's going to be a JFK is going to be a story later this year when President Biden faces makes the decision, mm -hmm. whatever decision he makes. And then, you know, people are always producing new, new books. books. 
yeah. Some, some. Hey, as a matter of fact, I produced a new book. <laughs> Boy, there's something I never thought I would say to you. So let's. Else. That's one of the books that I want to talk about. Okay. So, in our next show, let's uh, do the JFK review of books. Uh, okay. What has come out in 2020? Uh, what's new? What's significant? What's okay. not significant? What's bad? What's good? That would be very interesting to do. Um, well, in terms of what's not significant, I mean, it's only a 25-minute show. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just being silly, I'm sure. Uh, I appreciate you allowing us to do this. I think it's worth It's not a matter of allowing. It's a matter of well, having fun. So let's do it again. Yeah. Um, and uh, we will take up the latest in JFK scholarship. We will indeed. Uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening. We invite you to join us at jfkfacts.org, where you will find updates on JFK-related news with the goal of dispelling confusion and establishing an accurate historical record of the JFK story. This is a production of jfkfacts.org. Thank you for being with us.